brought up the way he loves himself. So the Four Noble Truths is something that was put out in early Buddhism, yeah? supposedly by Lord Buddha, who knows, because they didn't have any written stuff from him for 300 years. Yeah. But the Four Noble Truths was basically suffering is what's happening, and what's the cause of the suffering? Well, that malaise, yeah? that dissatisfaction, that irritability, restlessness, discontent. And you may not know you're in that, but if you're seeking quite a lot, that's an indication you're probably in dissatisfaction, irritability, and restlessness. Yeah? A lot of times, the mind's disassociation and denial can be really good. So you really won't, don't know what's the motivating movement. You'll see its effect, which is maybe trying to get out of yourself all day. Obviously, there's something that feels like needs to be gotten out of. Yeah? So it's a, you can tell, you can tell the tree by the fruit, so to speak. So if there's a lot of seeking in one's life, it's probably because there's an inherent dissatisfaction somewhere located, yeah, in where you think you are. So that's suffering. So it's like a malaise or a vague feeling of incompleteness, let's say. And so then he said, well, what's the, what's the root of all suffering? It's desire. Yeah. And then he said, all right, well, and then he says, is there a solution? He says, yeah. And then he says, it's this path. Yeah, and he says, it's an eightfold path. So if you look at desire, if you ever had a desire, if you've seen a desire, you've never had one actually, but a desire has taken over this possibility, usually it sort of blocks everything else out except for the object of desire. Yeah. So let's say you're having a nice day, and you're open and you're seeing birds, I mean you're hearing the birds and you're seeing trees and everything, and then you see a woman who you think you, you know, you'd like to, you're going to get married to and you know, have that your kids by. <laughs> you haven't even said alone yet. So, but then suddenly your focus just goes right on that object. Yeah? Now you're not hearing the birds or seeing the animals or you know, the trees, you don't hear the wind blowing, it's pretty much fixated. Yeah, the mind, the aperture of mind shuts, closes up on that object because the object is given a meaning that that's going to satisfy me. And the imperative is I'm not feeling satisfied. Yeah? So if that's the drive. <coughs> All right. So that's, this, that's sort of what desire does. It ap- closes the aperture and then you focus on an object. It could be a spiritual object like a concept. It can be anything. But what happens is everything gets sort of blotted out and then you're driven to try to arrive there because you think, when I arrive there, it's going to be where I'm leaving from. <laughs> that's the basic <coughs> carrot in front of the freaking horse. <laughs> it's always the same, really. So let's say there's another inherent desire you're not aware of. Yeah. And that may be happening in your head right now. And I would say that's the... The agitation or the energy of the system called self-centeredness, yeah. or selfing. I like to use the word term selfing. So the way I use selfing is that it's a verb. Yeah. And what happens to a lot of people, it's not a mistake, it's just not seeing it the way I'm attempting to put it out, because I get these calls and I just heard another person say, he's been sending these DVDs and CDs that I've done to this guy in L.A., and the guy really likes it, and the guy calls him and says, I've been selfing all day. Yeah? That's not seeing the selfing. That's being the product of the selfing. Yeah? So if you believe that you're doing it or it's being done to you, that's the feeling of self. Yeah? Having an ego or not having an ego, there's still the feeling of self having it or not having it. Yeah? It's not the ego, it's the feeling of being a self. And that feeling is, a tr- is 
is agitated or, or driven by this movement of claiming. Yeah? So the head claims something. <laughs> yeah. It's just a trip to watch it. But let's just say, so here's the desire. Yeah? So the desire to become, which is what selfing is, it wants to be a self. Yeah? It wants to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And to do that, it has to forget what it really is. Yeah? You can't be... It wants to have an experience of what it is, but it wants to be the you to experience it, which is an impossibility. Yeah? <laughs> so, in a lot of ways, a lot of people have a drive, and they want to experience their own absence, but they want to be there to experience it. You, know? you can't, that doesn't work. You're not going to be there to experience your own absence. absence yeah? It's not an experience you can have. So, this movement of having or claiming is the basic drive of selfing. And that drive is a desire to become, yeah, which is a desire to become a self. Yeah? And then it presupposes you are already a self and the desire to unbecome that one. So let's say you're a self that's a loser. You have a huge desire to unbecome that. Yeah? And then if you believe that you're not a winner, you have a desire to become a winner. That's the selfing. Yeah? That's, that desire is never going to be fulfilled. It can never be a self because you're inherently something other than a body or a singular unit or a mental process. You're something beyond that. You're nothing really beyond that. You don't have to believe me. Investigate yourself. But my, my what I've come to is a living conclusion: is I'm not a body, or not an idea in the mind. Yeah, I'm not this vague idea of being a spirit, spirit framed as being a body. You know what I mean? There's just no body. Yeah, I'm not a body. There's a body, but I'm not that. Yeah? So this desire to become a self is an incessant drive or an activator of all the other, all the agitation. Yeah, you want it to be, unbecome something that you think you are. You want to become something you think you're not. <laughs> That's all you do. It can never fulfill that desire. And if you've ever had an unfulfilled desire, what happens? It produces a lot of behavior usually. So let's say you wanted to meet that person, it didn't go well, you go home and eat a, like a gallon of ice cream, you know what I mean? Or watch four freaking movies from the Life Channel or something, you know? And, you know, put on some sad music and on and on. It produces a lot of freaking effects in one's life, driven by or activated by the desire. You better believe that's what's happening. <coughs> so the desire to become... <coughs> cannot ever become, and the desire to unbecome, you can't unbecome what you're not. It's impossible. Yeah? So it assumes that you're something that you're not, and then you, ex- you expend so much energy and thought about being what you're not, and then wanting not to be it. <laughs> it's a form of freaking slavery. Can you give an example of that? An example of that. Alright, so let's say if I felt I was, like, something was inherently wrong with me when I was a kid, which I did, yeah? Let's say when my father got sick and people came to me and said, hey, listen, Dad's gotten sick, he's not going to be able to play with you anymore. And uh, the doctor, Jen Quinto, came and told me that, and my mother told me that. And yet, what I felt was, I must have done something wrong for, to make my father not to want to play with me. Now, I wanted to unbecome that, that bad something, yeah? So then maybe I try to be good or virtuous or kind, which in AA says it's just another form of self-will, 
<laughs> exactly. And that self-will is to do what? To become a self or unbecome what it thinks it is. And it can never be fulfilled. It's like a slinky, yeah? It just, it just keeps producing its own gyration. Yeah? So your mind is act agitated in this desire. And it's never fulfilled, so what does it usually do? It usually produces a level of, really, dissatisfaction that you have to almost do anything to get some relief. So, voila, alcoholics stand pretty good. Shooting drugs is even better. The faster the shot, the better. So first I started drinking, at the end I was shooting drugs, and I was shooting it into my neck so I could get it faster to my brain and my heart. I mean, the, the speed was very important. I wanted to get out of this thing as fast as I freaking could. But it's impossible to truly get out of something that you're not in, and that was the freaking ignorance. That was the stickum. I couldn't get around that. You cannot transcend an imaginary place. If I could have, I would have with drugs. I was an incredible, a devout practitioner of drug addiction. I should have been able to leave this place, I swear to God. And I had temporary uh, like vacations, but I was always back on the job here. So, <laughs> this idea of selfing is an activity. You didn't have it when you were a kid, not when you were very young, especially if you weren't in an anxious ridden situation, if you weren't in a violent or abusive situation. You basically were enjoying the luxury of some of a mental process's undevelopment. The selfing hadn't developed enough to grab your attention. Your attention and interest was too engaged with what was happening. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. You know, I went up with my friend's kids one day. This young girl, Lily, and this other girl, now they're older. And we went behind the library, and this young, very petite girl comes back with about six banana slugs in her hands, going like this. Now, to me, that would be disgusting. But she was, she was just totally engaged, feeling it, feeling the texture of it, yeah? She was on because her mind hadn't entertained anything could be different. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. As soon as the mental development gets strong enough, it starts sucking your interest and attention into an absurd fucking reality. Like, I don't need to be where I am. Yeah, Time is much more important than now. All these things become the uh, foundations of a, in a, of a life that's been interpreted. Yeah? And after a while, some of us, it's too dry. So some will jump, you know, go into extreme sports. Some will go into extreme drugs. Some will go into extreme pornography. Some will go into extreme shopping. They're trying to get relief, yeah, from a dried up interpretation of a life. The same old, same old. No matter if I change the locale, I'm still there, yeah. And so it's a perfect driving force for the seeking. But the seeking is framed by the ignorance from whence it's been motivated. So now you're seeking as a thing to get relief for a thing. Yeah. So even with spirituality, basically, the basic premise of who you are is in the thought system is you're a body. You know? You may think you have a body, that you're some soul, but the sense of the soul is even in relationship to a body. We're thinking... Even spirituality is put into a physical storyline. We're on a spiritual journey. The only thing that can take a journey is a body. Spirit isn't taking a journey. Where would spirit end and start somewhere else? 
There's no defined spirit. It's not in any form that it has to leave one location to get to another location with the hopes that it will be more spiritual when it arrives there because it believes it's less spiritual here. <laughs> it's freaking insanity. You can't graft spirituality to a physical idea or a mental idea. It won't stick. You'll have to be vigilant, always on guard. You'll, your ass, you'll just be up your ass, you know, ask the self, totally. How much fun is it that your whole day is based on if you meditated or not? What happens if something happens in the morning and you can't meditate? What's your story the whole day in your head? I, I didn't meditate, it's going to be a bad day. Give me a freaking... It's just mind-boggling to me. That we have so much faith in this bad system. Yeah? So, hey, so that's the term selfing. So there is no self to be bonded to. So the way they say it in recovery is beautiful. It says the bondage of self. It's different. To be bonded to something would be simple to see. There'd be a chair, which would be a thing. And there would be this as a thing. And maybe a pair of handcuffs would be bonding me to this chair. And if I found the right key, I could be released from the bondage to this chair. And I would leave with my own identity intact and I would see I wasn't the chair no matter how long I was bonded to it it would be me bonded to it yeah? <clears throat> this selfing is different it's the feeling of being a self Yeah. so you'll feel like you're a self when you're bonded to a chair and when you're freed from the chair it'll be the self that's freed from it you never very very rarely do you get to see the true level of bonding yeah the bonding we're in is usually we're bound and then we get relief and then we bound to something and get relief. That's like the dance. That's a conceptual take on the bondage. But the real bondage is you're the one that's having the relief and you're the one that's not getting the relief. That feeling of being a one. That's my view of it. And it's a tactile sense. It's a feeling. A vague feeling. You can't really put your finger on it. But notice every time an action happens through this body, you feel like it's you that did it. Every time there's a thought, there's a feeling that I'm the thinker, or the thoughts about me, at least. <clears throat> Everything is very self-referential. Yeah? So we're living in a system of thought and interpretation. We're living under it. And we're living the interpretation of that. And it's a pretty small field of possibilities. We've been through every one of them. Every one of us has followed almost every possibility they give in American society and how to be happy, joyous, and free. We may not have succeeded in getting enough money, so we had that extra added lure that if I only had that. But there's, there's poor people suffering, there's rich people suffering. One of the aspects of poor people suffering is they think it would be different if they were rich. The rich people don't have that aspect. <laughs> They're bummed out and they got everything. And that's really difficult to figure out. Yeah? <laughs> the only thing they can get off on, I'm better than them. All right, so they need, they need poverty to make it seem like opulence is worth it. Super, definitely. Definitely, that's, a, that's how the mind works. Without poverty, how great would opulence be? If I go to the beach, what's the difference of me sitting in the sand or sitting on a throne looking at the ocean? No fucking difference. Actually, a lot more difference. I'd have to get the throne there and back. Here, I just go to the beach, sit on my tukus, and then see the ocean. I'd have to have people bring the throne, maybe a little bump and then I come in and then... Oh, my ocean, my throne. You know? <laughs> I mean, how long are you going to get off of that? 
unless you could berate or impose your will on others to get off, I don't see you would really be that satisfying for that long. Do you? I don't think so. How many, you know, after you buy 30 cars, I'm sure the, the polish is off the event, you know. Not, you don't even drive any of them. You probably drive the old beater you had when you were not so rich because you don't want any scratches or anything. What's the car for but to drive? You know? I don't know. To me, it's crazy, but... <laughs> so, selfing is an activity. So, you're not bonded to a thing because there's no thing called self. It's an activity of mind that's presenting you as a self. It's inferring that you're a self. If you listen to the language, we've been using a simple example, but I think it works really well. When I went back east last week, two weeks ago, I hadn't been there for a while, so I had my hair was much longer than now. So everyone was saying, hey, you're growing your hair, you know? And I said, no, I'm actually not growing my hair. I'm just not getting it cut, you know? It's not like I'm taking a few hours a week and growing my hair, yeah? But the language infers that I'm the doer of something I have nothing to do with. Well, expand on that idea. Because <laughs> a lot of stuff that is, that is being indicated by a thought system that you're the doer of, I believe is you're not the doer of. And that's where the relief is. You're not the doer of the thoughts. There's no freaking way. You can't even digest your own food. You think you can do a subtle activity <laughs> called thinking? Give me a freaking break. What we have, we're not aware of, is when we're conscious. So we're conscious of what's going on in the processes, the subtle process and the cruder processes, yeah? And then there's another step back from animals. There's an awareness or the possibility of being aware of that conscious experience, yeah? Where animals, I think, are just coming from the conscious experience. We can be aware, we can what they call self-reflection. We can actually intimate something that's beyond the event of consciousness of having contact here. We can intimate the, the awareness, which to me is more contextual, or really the real fine quality of mind, yeah? the large mind, is awareness. So we have that opportunity here. What is occurring is, we're hyper-aware of the conscious contact with mostly the thought system. Yeah? We're not hearing too well anymore, or seeing. We're not emphasizing. Seeing is emphasized because it supports the sense of separation, but hearing is underdeveloped and unappreciated. We're not feeling like we used to when we were kids. We're not smelling. We're not touching. We're not doing this stuff. It's more hyper-vigilance about the thoughts, about the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. Yeah? That's an interpretation, isn't it? It's like a couple of steps off from the basic contact of life, which is consciousness, is in contact through this possibility. Yeah? Like in Buddhism, it's a basic, obvious knowledge now. There's the five senses. That, you know, you're hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. There's another sense that hears the thoughts, which is the mind, yeah? Which is the sixth sense. And consciousness is moving through those like the eye is facilitating vision. It's not what's seeing, but it facilitates seeing. The ear, the ear drum is facilitating hearing. It's not what's hearing, it facilitates it, yeah? The onness, the nervous system allows us to feel, but it's not the that. The finger isn't feeling. Yeah? The mind is feeling. Yeah? And what's facilitating this event is consciousness. Consciousness is moving through it, and we're having conscious contact here. And like I just said, there's another quality of mind, which is awareness, that you can become aware of the conscious contact, you know, because you are. 
And that awareness of the conscious contact is truly the true sense of what you are. And right now, you're in that sense, but it's been co-opted, and some of that sense is being attributed to the body, yeah? And then a lot of it's being attributed to you. So when you feel the aliveness of life, you're taking it to be you, yeah? Instead of just the aliveness of life. And when you take it to be you, then life has to be seen as happening to you. This mental idea located in this physical place called the body. Yeah, so everything now gives meaning and gives, gives direction based on you as the reference point. And it's way too much. It's way too much juice. It's like this diffuse experience of life is happening is contracted and amplified to what's happening to me. Fucking, it just agitates the mind, doesn't it? And thoughts upon thoughts erupt out of that fucking Petri dish. All about what's going to happen to me, what did happen to me, and all infused with time, this incredible pressure of having a better moment later. You know what I mean? I have to progress. It's not enough that I feel okay now. I want to feel better the next second. Yeah, to me, it's a form of slavery. It's like this giant hand of time on your back pushing you constantly ahead, like on those, those little automatic sidewalks at the airport. Well, sometimes they have nice art displays, but you're on the sidewalk and you look and you just go going by. You can't even stop because there's no exit. You got to go for a while. And you, they have like oh, a statue of Indra from India, you know, 800 AD. Oh wow! Oh, oh, oh there, you know. Then of course you get dropped off, and that's where all the stores are. Starbucks and here, then you look caught in the consumer web, but then the art web seems to go behind. <laughs> you ever notice when they plan communities, the lighting system, the red lights and the green lights, they're always stopping in strip malls and you always stop. Oh, oh, oh shit. You know? You can tell what your whole life by one strip mall. You know? They have like a they have little baby gear, then they have, you know, this, and then they have like uh, a wedding shop and then they have wedding cakes and then they have a mortuary. And then you could live and die in a little <laughs> interpretation of like one block, you know, driving through Houston. Just one little aspect of strip mall. That's the story of my freaking life. <laughs> Jesus, I'm over here now. I'm going to be there shortly. <laughs> Jeez, who, who wouldn't want to get high or something? <laughs> who wouldn't want to spend an exorbitant amount of money to make you feel better? Yeah, I would. I did. And I was incessantly motivated to get loaded. Yeah. It was like a non, it was like an imperative beyond all imperatives. I never felt anything like it again in this life. It was a constant demand. You better get fucking some drugs. And you cannot stay here somewhat conscious. No freaking way. I gotta be obliterated. To me, the obliteration wasn't contracting down. It was, I thought if I taught, if I just had my mind get taught enough, it would snap and I'd wake up, you know? So I went to stay up for eight days on coke and shit. I didn't like uh, downs. I liked the ups. But I was incessantly driven to do it every freaking day because obviously the dissatisfaction was still in place. So, you know, there is truly a solution. And from the solution's point of view, now, this, is probably, this can be taken wrong quite a lot, but from the solution's point of view, the problem does not truly exist. The highest level it can reach is it appears to exist, and that's based on you. 
See, like in, we have an acronym in AA called FEAR, false evidence appearing real. False evidence can never be real, but it can appear to be real. And it needs a you to appear to be real too. That's it. There's either you're in a state that false evidence is not appearing real, yeah? So it's pretty much the whole case it's trying to build has now been cut off, and now you're left with right where you are, or you're in the condi- mental condition, emotional condition, that false evidence is appearing real, and now you're fucking wrestling with phantoms all freaking day. On a day you could be just enjoying yourself, you're consumed by tomorrow and yesterday. Yeah? That's the difference. It's on you, in a sense. That's why I feel this can be liberating. Because in AA, sometimes I have these leaps of understanding, and they change my whole experience in life. And for me, this is just another leap of understanding. Yeah? The understanding of what really the problem is, which is an activity, not an event, not something that you did, <laughs> not something that you did and you should be punished for, none of that. It's an activity that's going on. And in a sense, you're either dying to the self or as the self right now, at every moment. To die to the self is you have an immunity to the thought system, so you're not being driven by that, and therefore you're dying at that moment to the idea of being the self, and that's the rebirth. Or you're dying as a self, which is you have a belief in the thought system, you truly believe you're real, they're real, the world's real, and definitely time is real, you truly believe in the thought system that's more important how I'm going to be than how I am, and it's way more important how I was than how I am. Yeah? In that condition, you're dying as a self. Yeah? What are you dying to? You're dying to what you are. You're in an active, actually a passive denial of what you are by actively being engaged with what you're not. It's just what's going on all day. And you can be stabilized in a state that you're not, that's not happening as much anymore. And I call it a traveling lighter. So it's not going to change the geography of your life. You know, you may get sick, you may not, you may, yeah, meet someone, you may not, you may have money, you may not. But you'll travel lighter over everything that life is going to have in store for you as this little action figure. And this is an action figure. You're not the action figure, but this is an action figure. So you're going to travel here. Yeah? But the, to me, the truly the most valuable answer I could have is, what would allow me to travel lighter over the geography of my life? Well, I have discovered what has allowed me to travel lighter for a very long period of time. And I'm just sharing that. And the only way you can share it is about pointing out what you're not. You can't point out what you are because you are that. And you're never going to have an experience of what you are. There's no freaking way. But what you are will influence all your experiences here. Instead of what you're not, interpreting everything. And I find it's much more fulfilling to be alive than to be having a story about being alive. I do. And the the role of memory really, really loses its uh, preeminence. Because in selfing, the memory is incredibly important. Because selfing has to, the sense of being a self has to be remembered, yeah? Because it isn't so. You are not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity or a mental idea or a mental idea called a spiritual soul. I don't believe you're any of that, yeah? I don't believe you can ever know what you are. But that... (laughs) 
You just have an immunity. Once you start entertaining, hey, all those pointing, because that's all the thought system does, right? Just like I said with the hair. That it assumed or it inferred that I was the doer of the hair growing, <laughs> which is an absurd thing if you bring it out to light, yeah? Well, well, just to expand on that idea, this is what the thought system is doing all day. It's like having living with a hypnotist all day and living in a group of hypnotists outside. So everyone's chirping the same fucking story. Oh, you're growing your hair. Oh, you're doing such a great job that I'm getting pride. Oh, I'm such a good hair grower. Oh, and I'm looking at other people who are bald. They're not good hair growers. I can't spend any time. You just stick with the winners. Can't spend any time with them. And all these stories ensue about based on this incredible premise that I'm the doer of something I have nothing to do with. Well, this is what we're in every freaking day. A, a, a minutiae of mental jungle that we have to find all these tools to try to cut ourselves out of and it just keeps overgrowing because we're the seed to the jungle. Our ignorance is what seeds the jungle. Yeah. So what occurs is there's an immunity builds up. It could happen all of a sudden or it can happen, you know, you just grow and grow like a, it's like a piece of cloth getting dyed. But what occurs is an immunity to being directed by the thought system starts occurring, and then you're directed by some other aspect of mind. And then you get to feel, just like the selfing is sort of like a fluid, but very thick and chunky, trying to move this into this hose. A lot of shit gets stuck in it, yeah? It dirties and it's dirty. It doesn't really feed anything out here. And yet this hose has the ability to conduct really clear, beautiful water. Yeah? And because it's conscious and aware, it can be aware of what's moving through it. Yeah? And it intimates that sense of spirit, a much more refined and clearer sense, much more bigger, spaci- spacious, instead of a very, very chalky, you know, chunky, old ideas, you know, old conditioning, just sticking, the hose is just getting stuck constantly, you know, like a, like a spiritual constipation in a way. This is your feeling something moving through that's much more fluid and light. And of course, you mimic that. You, know? you start entertaining, hey, this is a possibility. I never knew because it had never been revealed to me. Now it's revealing itself to me and I'm going to go for it, you know. There's no you going for it. The mind just goes, hallelujah. It leaves the dead horse and gets on a living horse. It's usually different. There's no wind blowing through through your hair on a dead horse. You're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? In a live horse, wind's blowing. You feel the speed. It feels fucking great. You're alive. Dead horse. You have to have stories. I once felt the wind blowing through my hair. I hope it'll blow through my hair when I go to Hawaii next year. But no. Now, Saturday in Marin City is more than enough. <laughs> it's got all the ingredients that you were wishing for at some future mythical event. It's all the ingredients right now. Conscious contact and awareness of it and an immunity to the thought system that wants to deny it. Yeah. So then you just rest in what's so and it downloads about what's not so. And then you get different feelings about time. You can allow more information downloads, and then I can just share it with people over the years because it's a living event. Yeah? It's like a living scripture. I don't have a book. I don't read from a book. I never prepare. The thing moves through, and I know it by its moving through. Yeah? 
And I've known it now for a while. I've intimated it. And all I can stand is in, is in a position or a posture of honoring and, and awe, really. The possibility that's on offer right now is beyond our comprehension. Yet it would seem so ordinary you'd step right over it. It's like the dog should awareness is beyond our comprehension. Yet we're attempting to use that awareness to get just get engaged in other thoughts and other things instead of letting the awareness rest in its own nature, which is nothing. See what happens, you know. Nothingness is the gift that we'll really keep on giving. At least a modicum of your attention or whatever resting there can really lighten your load every day, in and day in and day out. Can you imagine if you really started resting there? And you'll have plenty of interest and attention to deal with what shows up in a day. You won't have enough interest and attention which shows up in what's not happening because anything can happen there, but it's not happening. Yeah, There is something that is happening that has one quality what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. Yeah, This is the easiest place to be engaged. You have five gates that consciousness is moving through. You've got to pay a little attention to that. <laughs> it sort of has a very... Uh, anchoring very uh, gravitational field where up here you're on more from conscious contact and all you're is in mental contact. You're just, you're being in contact with things that aren't happening through thought and yet you're producing an effect now in your system. So you're contracting about a fear that you think is going to happen and the fear blocks out being able to receive what's off on offer today. You don't see that as a form of slavery? I do, for sure. I do, for sure. I'm a worry that something's going to happen to me, so I'm going to condense and contract now, which doesn't allow me to receive anything that's on offer. And the only place you're going to receive anything is now. Yeah, it's the only place where there's a there's an exchange going on, like a living commerce. This is just a fucking advertising campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So today, you know, like you get up. I had an imperative, surf, went down there, jumped in, come out, put the shirts out, open the door, first open the door, do this, do the talk, and then show up what's happening. How much memory? I don't remember anything that goes on usually now. It's great. And I realized the reason why I was remembering so much is because it's the way of just of hiding that you weren't there to begin with. <laughs> 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 That's why a lot of people take a lot of pictures. They take a lot of pictures of their vacations to basically prove to themselves they were there. Because their experience, they really weren't there the whole time. Yeah? In this case, you don't need much memory. If you've been engaged with the day, that's more than enough. There's nothing you need to extract because there's another day coming. You don't have to suck the fucking the juice out of the pit, there'll be another fruit the next day, dangling. Yeah? Seriously. And after a while, all those mental partitions like days and hours and doing this and not doing that all get blurred. And you see it's not like a it's not like a a fixed little picture with a big heavy frame called self centeredness. It's like a mural happening, yeah? You can't really see what was inherently different from this moment to the moment that happened on Monday. Monday. Absolutely nothing except scenery and events and the position of things, basically. But the space was exactly the same. 
And it's always exactly the same. Yeah? There's just different things appear in the space, <laughs> but the space doesn't change by what's appearing in it. It's the context. It's just always there every freaking day. The pauses you had when you were a kid are the exact same pauses that are available now. The same quality of mind is available now. That to me is reliability. That to me is you can rest there. That to me you can have confidence in. It's not coming and going. It's not based on conditions or circumstances. It's a, it, it's beyond all of that. Therefore, it's truly reliable in every circumstance and situation. Yeah, and every and it's overriding. It let, allows this experience to be outshining the circumstances and the situations it's in. Instead of being determined and defined by the circumstances and situation, your definition, which is fluid, overrides the circumstances and situations. Yeah. And with no thought or effort on your part, it's just mind doing it. Unfettered by from selfing, it, it has an incredible amount of uh, other modalities it can express here yeah, that aren't centered on self. This is just a possibility. Question, maybe question. Start with, are you the thinker of the thoughts? Yeah? Maybe just see one or two during the day and ask yourself, who is it that thought this thought? Well, say me. Well, who is this me? And after a while, you go into a vague space where there's no defined idea, and now you're getting on to something. Yeah. And when the selfing stops, which it does quite often, what continues when the selfing stops? Find that out, man. Good information, downloading. Can you have a huge effect on you? Yeah. You'll be let off the hook. When you make an ass of yourself, you're not that ass that was made of. When you're a saint, you're not that saint either. You're neither of them. Yeah? You're not beholden to what you did that was bad, nor are you beholden to what you did that seemed to be good, because you're not the doer of it. Yeah? At first, that's the most difficult place to let go of, because your whole life, the whole story of your life is based on you being the doer of it. It's the basic foundation of selfing. Yeah? So even in recovery, people get into recovery and they've had, let's say, a life that was incredibly horrendous. It led to so many impossible and pitiful and comprehensible demoralizing states and conditions. Yet, they'll read the first, per the first step of the program which says you are powerless over alcohol. So if you look at it this way, it would be like dancing with a gorilla. Yeah? You're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. You're powerless over the gorilla. You're basically going to keep doing the dance it wants to do until it says, all right, I'm tired or bored, and then you get a break. Yeah. So, And then you have tons of experiences of the powerlessness in your life, and you come into recovery. Yet, the stubborn belief in that you're the doer will override all the evidence and all the relief provided by the program AA, and you'll still be mining and harvesting the guilt and shame from those behaviors when you were loaded and powerless over the effects of alcohol. So, so in other words, when I got high, all bets were off, and yet my mind, conditional mind, is still mining guilt and shame from those events. Yeah? Because why? With all that evidence, why wouldn't that supersede that belief? Because that belief is the inherent first addiction. The addiction to being a self is before alcoholism. Alcoholism is an extreme subdivision of that, but this is the real disease. And everyone has it. Everyone's suffering in self-centeredness, yeah? Everybody, everybody. 
That self-centered, and in that centeredness of self, the main premise is you're, is you're the doer. Very huge premise. And you can see it's not willing to let go of that, no matter how much evidence is so blatantly obvious that when I got loaded, I was apt to do anything. Yet, it's still guilty and shameful about those events. Yeah, because that's what proceeds. You can't get relief from what precedes this effect. You can't get a relief from the cause by the effect. You have to go to the cause, and then the effect diminishes. Yeah? That's my view. I had a talk, I did a talk last night in, in a regular meeting, and then it doesn't matter what, where, what I go, I mean, I irritated a lot of people there, <laughs> with no intention whatsoever. I mean, the shares were unbelievable. Like, uh, singing the praises of stupidity in a way. You know what I mean? And I, it's amazing how any intellectual take is seen as something wrong. It reminds me of the Bush administration, you know, <laughs> for those eight years, like, dumb is good, you know, for some freaking reason. Now, I think it's inclusive. Sometimes you need to be stupid and we can be too smart. But don't throw smart out the window, yeah? But it was so great. All I did was share, and this irritation occurred. And everyone was sharing, some of them at me, and it was great. I was just like stirred a fucking pot with no intention to do it. You know, it's just how I'm used, you know? And I'm willing to take the heat, and there was some heat coming at me. It's fine, you know, I could care less. But sometimes I want to get up and have a little battle, you know? I do. I like take a sword out and cut their fucking heads off. I'm bigger. It motivates me, you know. So, <laughs> so everything was like a. It was like you know the the, the hive was really buzzing. <laughs> and I believe irritation is good. That's why we have Zen Bitslap instead of the Eternal Presence <laughs> We have Zen because it's meant to irritate. We're too complacent and comfortably numb. Irritation is, there's nothing wrong with irritation. Yeah, it can start, it can wake something up, it can sort of make something move that's been lazily located, like a lump, you know, to have it move. And in that moving, you'll sense something. You'll sense the mind coming, unfurling out of the posture of self-centeredness called I, me, mine. You'll feel it coming out. Maybe it wants to have a rebuttal, it gets angry, but there's, it's opening at least. Yeah. That's the joy of it. That's how you'll know it when it gets larger. When you start fitting yourself around circumstances and trying to, instead of trying to fit circumstances around you, then you'll see the largeness of mind. Yeah. And it's it's I don't see there's any parameters where it stops. It's like an aperture that keeps opening up. And the more it opens up, it does it in a very strange way. It opens up like this, and then you're seen. Where you always used to see from, you see, this is seen. The event called Paul is seen from another position of mind. So this ain't the, let the, this ain't square zero on the game board. This is like square three. Square zero, I'd say, is what we are. Yeah. And when you get a view of what you're not, <laughs> you'll get a very strong hit. I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that. It doesn't matter. You'll never know what you are, but you'll know what you're not, and that, that's that's very liberating. Because it isn't only a, it can only reach a level of activity. It can only reach a, an appearance. The mind makes the leap. Your mind, ignorance, says the inference is you're the doer, and then there's the feeling of being the doer. It cannot produce the feeling you do. 
by being lazy and, and just habitual into this reaction, the pointing and then the pointed at. You assume the thing that's pointed at as being you. That's the basic ignorant assumption that leads to all these shenanigans. So what would happen if you see all the pointing, but you didn't make the leap, the mind didn't make the leap? What would happen? You'd sense a pause, like we feel in AA. Yeah? A moment that's like an eternal moment in time. And then maybe you'd recognize on that pause. And then the, the, the story of a Paul occurs later in, and then on that pause, that's seeing the story of Paul. And enjoying the experience of the story of Paul. But not being had by the story of Paul, but having the story of Paul. Yeah? There's difference being had by a story and then having a story. Having a story is fun. This is what happens here. We wear tons of different uniforms. We have different seat assignments. Tons of stories are being produced all day. That's the joy of this event. But to be had by the story. Then you think your seat assignment is your throne with your name engraved on it. So when the music stops playing, you don't get up. Yeah? And you don't get moved to your next position. You're not flexible anymore. You're rigid. You think you know. Oh, I'm this. Yeah. As soon as you're this, you're going to experience being that. <laughs> I'm really, I am so clear and clean, you'll probably be drawn to look at pornography. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just the humor of life, man. It's just whatever position you take. You ever see it? I thought one of the best ones was that guy... In a, maybe I'll the other talk about it. this will be on recorded. But in the uh, Bush administration, they had this thing about uh, they were against uh, gay marriage, right? And they got this uh, this preacher who was one of the heads of this of an evangelical church in the Colorado Springs had a huge following, and he was going to lead the vanguard of this anti-gay marriage thing for the Bush. So he's meeting Bush every week and everything like this. And he's the vanguard of this. Then it comes out, he's been having an affair with a male escort, snorting speed, for two years. And the guy recorded his conversations. This guy is at the vanguard of the anti-gay movement, and he's having a gay affair for two years and snorting speed. You don't see that as fucking great? (laughs) He took a position, and he got totally... (laughs) He started thinking on this, and then he was all of that. (laughs) What? There's no escape. Once you take a position... Definitely, it's going to be the other way, too. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. This is just a seat assignment. Where you are is just a seat assignment. When the music starts playing, you have to get up. And then when it stops, you'll sit down, maybe in the same chair, maybe in a new chair. Yeah. But as soon as you engrave it, yes, this, I'm a teacher. I'm a non-duality teacher. Which is, I, have a, I do nothing, because you can't teach non-duality. <laughs> non-duality is a negation of duality that's all it is it's not anything so the whole thing is the only thing you can teach is duality you can teach duality you can teach how the mind is split and how it's structured and how it's either this or that yeah, and how it appears because it appears in a certain dualistic manner and by its appearance you'll know the truth of it that that's the highest level it can reach is an appearance only it has to appear to a mind the mind is what gives it the meaning. It has no meaning to give the mind. It has no meaning to give the mind. The mind gives it the meaning. Self has no meaning to give the mind. The mind gives self the meaning. Yeah? 
There you go. Any questions today? <laughs> What's the meaning? <laughs>